my advice is to just never give up. If, if you've done the research to know that this, this is a good product that people would buy and that, or even if it's not a, something, a consumer product, right? If it's a business that you know that people are going to use or service that people need, just don't give up because mm. you never know. It might be the 10th time that you get knocked down, that you get back up again, that you turn that corner and, and really take off. Um, so you just can't ever get back or let yourself stay down. You got to get back up and keep pushing forward with it. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that uh, has built uh, and grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we focus on helping startups and, uh, with, and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And if you ever need help, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the, uh, on the podcast, Jared Spenlove. And so Jared, he started out his career thinking he was going to be a doctor and has nothing to do with, I think, or very little to do with being a doctor anymore. Um, but he started out there, um, then decided he was going to switch. And so he actually, as an FYI, as a complete aside, he lives just up the, in a city just uh, nearby or uh, lived in South Ogden. If you know where I'm located, it's just a, about a, a 10 or 15 minute drive up. So we don't know each other before the podcast, but we do live by each other. So at least to uh, have that in common. But uh, he uh, started his journey, decided he wasn't going to be a doctor, switched, I think it was, to um, mechanical engineering and still had a bit of a medical device focus um, before kind of going through the rest of his career, doing some startups, doing some other businesses and landing where he's at today. And he'll be able to give a little bit more about where he's at today, how he's doing a full-time job, doing a side hustle, all of those fun details. And with that much as an introduction, welcome onto the podcast, Jared. Thanks, Devin. I'm happy to be here. So I gave a really quick overview of a few details, but maybe a step back and let's start back at kind of when you wanted to be a doctor all those years ago and just talk through a little bit of your journey and have a good conversation. Yeah, so I, I grew up with this mindset of, you know, I'm going to you know be a doctor and I had that ever since I was a teenager. Mm. Um, and, you know, I started working towards that and got into college and, and, you know, started talking to actual doctors and surgeons and that and realized, you know, maybe this isn't the exact path that I thought it was going to be in the end. Um, mm. And so decided at that point, you know, and I was I was going to school at, at Weber State University. I was a lot of my friends that were, you know, taking the pre-med classes, they were majoring in microbiology and zoology. And I'm like, you know, if, if, if this doesn't work out for me, I don't think I want to be a microbiologist or a zoologist. And so I was uh, getting it. So a, now just a complete side. Remind me, what is zoology? Is that animals or is it anything to do with the zoo or what's zoology? I think it's, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's what my, my question was legitimately. I don't, I've heard zoology. I just have no idea what they actually do. So I just, and if you're a zoologist and you're a listener, no offense to zoologist, maybe you can email me and let me know where or what a zoologist is. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I didn't know. And so I was like, I don't think that's what I want to major in. So if it doesn't work out, then mm. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I, I was majoring in mechanical engineering um, and, and alongside doing all my pre-med classes. And, you know, it just got to a point that I, I realized in my life that that wasn't the exact direction I wanted to go. And so mm. 
I did the research and tried to figure out, you know, what do I want to do? I still want to stay in the medical field. Mm. Um, and I loved engineering. I had been, you know, from uh, a very young age, been very uh, hands-on in, in building things and, um, you know, construction work and just taking things apart and kind of working with my hands that way. Mm. And so I wanted to stay in that field, but, you know, apply it to the medical field. So I transferred up to the University of Utah and I got my degree in biomedical engineering. Mm. Um, a lot of people uh, hear that and probably, again, like zoology, don't know exactly what a biomedical engineer is. And so <laughs> the way I describe it is, is I'm a mechanical engineer with an emphasis in medical devices. And so, mm. you know, started out at a, at a startup company. Um, there was four of us working there. And so I got to wear every single hat that you can in, in medical devices. I was R&D, I was manufacturing, I was quality, regulatory. Mm. And so it, it was kind of my first experience of learning how to drink from a fire hose. Mm. You know, you, you, right out of college and suddenly you're, you're slammed with all these projects from, you know, designing devices that are simple cosmetic devices to, um, neurosurgical devices and so mm. I got to see a, a wide range of how things worked and I got to work you know we were a contract engineering company and so I got to work closely with the owners of those companies and the people who started them and you know I, I got my first taste of mm. what it means to be an entrepreneur kind of at that point uh, from a sideline view you know I, I wasn't the entrepreneur I had no ownership in anything other than you know, come to work each day and work hard and, and give my all to, to what I was putting into it. And, you know, I, I started seeing, you know, a lot of these companies that, you know, we've worked for and designed medical devices for, and, you know, that over the years, you know, they, they, a lot of them, their whole goal was to build up uh, a, a product in a company that they could sell to larger companies, mm. you know, Johnson and Johnson and, and Merit Medical here in Utah. And, you know, lots of bigger companies, Boston Scientific. And so I saw these, these entrepreneurs, you know, come to us with an idea. We tried to turn that idea into reality. And then they turned that reality into a lot of money. Mm. And I, I thought to myself, I'm, you know, this is great doing my job. I love what I'm doing, but you know, you don't get the financial benefit as, as the entrepreneur does. Mm. And so um, that started getting my, my, my wheels turning in, in my head of, you know, everybody's probably got an idea of, or the thought that, man, if I could just come up with one good idea, you know, that'd be great. And so, so, but one, before you dive into the big idea, you did take, I think you mentioned when we chatted a bit before you were at the startup and you decided you did want to, you ended up going to a big business for a while, but then you missed the impact. Is that right? So you did kind of yeah. have that stint of working for bigger businesses and deciding that wasn't for you. Is that right? Yeah, so I, I worked for two other larger companies after that startup company, mm. um, and it, and it was it, it was good. I got great experience because large companies have resources that smaller companies don't. You know, there's mm. more people, there's more money, there's uh, better equipment, and so I, I got to see get it. My the startup company, we weren't the manufacturers of anything either, so you know, we had to outsource everything. So I, I learned how to outsource and, and work with contract manufacturers, but at the larger companies where we actually did manufacturing, I got, you know, hands-on manufacturing experience that was, was great. And so, you know, I, I feel like I, I got a, a well-rounded uh, experience at the start of my career in medical devices of, 
the startup, the large companies, the R&D, the manufacturing, the mm. quality engineering, you know, a taste of everything. And it, it was while I was at one of the larger companies, I had this thought of, you know, well, I, let me take one step back. So I had a neighbor who has a boat and mm. um, we would go boating our families together and, you know, we would talk and uh, he, he came to me one night and he's just like, hey, man, I've got I want to buy something. And so tell me what you think. Let's go look at these. You know, it's called a, a wake shaper or something that you put on the side of your boat. He had an older boat. It was like a 98 Malibu. Mm. And so um, it, it was primarily just a wake boat, you know, wakeboarding, skiing, that type of stuff. And so he wanted to put something on his boat to be able to surf behind it. And we, we tried the whole, everybody cram into one corner of the boat and list the boat as hard as you can to one side and try and get the wake to clean up to be a, a, a surf wake. Mm. Um, but I mean, you only can get so far by doing that. And so we wanted something that, you know, or he wanted something that he could clean his his wake up, you know, and, and make a, a, a surf wave. And so we started looking at them online and, you know, debating, really it was me trying to convince him to buy one so I could use it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so he, you know, we, we looked at him for, it was probably like the second or third night that we had looked at him and uh, he, he, you know, he comes to me and he said, Hey, Jared, you're an engineer. I'm into, you know, the sales and business side of things. Like, don't you think we could make something, you know, better than what's out there mm. and, and sell it? And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> if we've got the money for it, you know, everything, you know, coming from the medical device world, your medical devices are not a cheap thing to do. You know, you, you can create something really simple and spend a whole lot of money on it. And it's probably that way in a lot of things, but, you know, just from my experience of medical devices, you really can't get very far without money. Yeah. And, and I've been through that. I've, you know, some or several of the startups I've done have at least been medical device related. And, you know, you always have to worry even about FDA approval in clinicals mm -hmm. and trials and safety testing and even product development and a lot of things. And so you, you're always a very expensive endeavor to ever do medical devices just because yeah. of everything that all of the, now, if you get all the way through and you get a good to medical device reward could be great, but it's not yeah. a, the front end is certainly a, a heavier lift than in some of the other areas. Yeah. And, and so when he said that, I was like, yeah, if we've got the money for it and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, a recreational product, like there's not a whole lot of regulations on that stuff. So this would be great for me because I'm used to being heavily regulated and, you know, getting approvals from the FDA and everything. And so, and, and heavy documentation. And so I thought this might be something fun to just try out. Let's make a prototype and just see where we go from there. And uh, so he, he went and made a prototype on his own and he cut a, there's a product out there that's a Velcro, it's a triangular wedge that Velcros mm. to the side of your boat. So he went and got some Velcro and an archery target and cut it into a, a triangular wedge and Velcroed to the side of his boat. And I wasn't with him when he did this. And, you know, he, he came back to me and said, you know, it worked for about five minutes until it ripped all the duct tape and Velcro off my boat and, mm. you know, didn't really work. It cleaned the wake up and made a surf wave for about five minutes until it all ripped off. And so I started, you know, at that point thinking, all right, I've got some connections to a machine shop. I've got some ideas. So I started doing the research of what was out there already. Mm. Um, I started looking into some of the patents that exist out there. Cause I'm, I didn't want to waste my time designing something that 
somebody's mm-hmm. got protected that in the end, I'm not going to be able to sell it or do anything with it. So I started, mm-hmm. you know, looking into the patents and um, reading a lot of reviews to find out why people like certain ones and why they don't. And so, you know, there was two main competitors out there, two different types of products that were competing. There's the Velcro version, which only one company uh, was selling at the time and they had, you know, a patent on that. And then uh, the next thing out the gates was one that suction cup to the side of your boat. And uh, they, you know, that was patent pending. And then all of a sudden, you know, there was 15, 20 different suction cup versions out there. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, I thought, obviously I don't want to go the Velcro route. To me, that didn't make sense to put Velcro on the side of a boat and the suction cups. I was, you know, there's pros and cons about the suction cups, but I was like, everybody's doing a suction cup. So there's got to be a different, better way to do this. Mm. And so it was really like the connection method between the wake shaper and the boat that, that had me intrigued of trying to figure out how can you put something on a boat that is with, you don't have to screw holes into your boat and, and have to be super technical to understand how to properly do that to your boat. And most people probably aren't willing to do that to the side of their boat to, you know, mount something onto it that way. And so Mm. I started just digging into, you know, cool technologies and whatnot. And uh, I came up with the idea to use magnets to attach it to a boat. And I get the question all the time of, well, aren't boats fiberglass? How are you going to magnetically attach (laughs) something to a fiberglass boat? Mm. And so um, I I created a a really sleek, narrow strip that would stick to your boat with a double-sided tape. Mm. And, and, you know, that was a lot of trial and error to find a tape that would withstand the forces that was waterproof that, mm. you know, you're, you're pushing on it when you're driving through the water, you're pushing on it with hundreds of pounds of force. And so it has to stick really well. But at the same time, I'm like, again, I'm in that situation of do people really want to put something on their boat that's semi-permanent without yeah. the ability to take it off? So I need to find something that stays on all the time when you want it on there, but will come off if you want it off. Which is a hard thing to, to do. So now, so now you go through, so you have the idea, you, you said, okay, we're going to do the research. We, we figure out what works, what doesn't work. Lots of R and D trial and error, figuring it out. And you, you know, let's say, so you finally, at some point you reach the, the point where, Hey, we've got at least our initial product or we've got our initial thing. Um, you know, and I think when you talked a little bit before you did a, a little bit of patenting and trademarks, getting all mm-hmm. that squared away when you did all that. So you finally, you know, all of that are in, in, in behind you and you launched a company. How did the company launch go? Did it sell like hotcakes and everybody wanted one and you were a millionaire overnight? Was it ups and downs? <laughs> Was it all downs and it crashed and burned and it never took off? Or how did the launch go as you got past the initial, you know, figuring out how to, what to make and making it to actually launching the company? Yeah. So my business partner actually just prior to us launching into, you know, our production runs, he, uh, he went another direction. He, he started a, a restaurant. And mm. so um, he, he went and, and did that. And he's been very successful at that. And so if, if you're in the South Weaver area, check out Burley Burger. It's awesome burgers and fries. Uh, but so I, I kind of took this on myself. So I lost my sales partner. You know, I, I was an engineer. I am an engineer and I, I don't have sales experience. So I was off to a little bit of a rocky start trying to sell this. I I made a limited small run of product and thought, 
man, I don't really know how to sell this. You know, I've got product now that I think is awesome. And, and I've given away a handful of them for free and had people test them and gotten really good feedback, but I don't know how to sell this. And so I just started thinking like, all right, well, maybe Instagram and Facebook could be a starting point for me because I, I don't really know what to do. So hmm. let's create Instagram and Facebook pages. And, you know, that first year, it was just a little bit of marketing on Instagram and, and Facebook. And I didn't really sell a whole lot and it, and it was hard. And, you know, I remember, so I started selling uh, May, probably in May, and May went by and, you know, I'd set up an online shop and May went by, no sales. Mm. Then June goes by, no sales. I'm just like, oh man, this is like, I'm stressing out. I, I dumped a bunch of money into this and I'm not selling anything. I don't know what to do. And, you know, that, that, that first sale came through in, in July. And I thought like, man, I was so excited. Like I, it was really silly how excited I was over one cell, but I was so excited. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe I can do this. You know, I, I felt mm. trodden down after, you know, a couple months of nothing happening, but again, knowing I haven't really spent a whole lot of money trying to market or sell this. Mm. And I got that first cell. And then after that, it was, you know, every couple of weeks I'd get another cell. And so I'm like, all right, I can do this. This isn't my full-time job. This is kind of like, I wanted to see if it worked, if I could mm. come up with an idea and sell it. And so first year, it was pretty rough. You know, I spent way more money than I made. Um, and then year two, things started to pick up. I, I started, uh, I, I hired somebody to do my, to run a Google ads platform. And that started to pay off for me. I, it, when I say pay off, I was breaking even. I was, whatever I put into Google ads, I was getting back out of it in sales. Mm. And so I thought, you know, this is good. I mean, it, it's, at least the charts are going up. You know, if you look at the sales graph, things are mm. going up. But to me, I'm like, uh, I'm still putting money into this and I'm just breaking even at this point. Mm. And so I could, you know, the cost of my product, the cost of marketing, and then my sell equaled out to zero, you know? So I'm like, <laughs> not including any time that I put into it. Mm. And so I was like, well, at least at this point, I'm not losing any money. And so I, I talked to my wife, you know, and she's just like, look, I'll support you in anything you do, as long as we can live our lives the way that we're living now, and mm. you can make any payments you need to on your business. And so I was like, all right, well, um, I'll keep pushing forward. And so, you know, first two years was, was a little bit rocky. Um, but during that second year of sales, I, I got a booth at the, uh, the Utah boat show and I went there and I sold, you know, more units at the boat show than I sold my very first year of selling it. And so I was pretty encouraged by that, but I, I met, um, a man there. I, he, he just looked like a, a normal person walked up, you know, tell me about your product. You know, it's kind of funny there, uh, brand new boats nowadays have built in surf features for, you know, the boat and everything. And mm. so, uh, you know, the, my product and, and other wake shapers are meant ideally for product or boats that are, you know, seven or more years old. Um, and it, it does help some of them that are, that are new, that don't have the best surf systems in them. It, it still helps those definitely, but the mm. primary target is, target is, is people that have boats older than seven years. 
Sure. And that I, makes sense. You're saying, Hey, yeah. I got an old boat. I don't want to have to go buy a brand new boat or spend 30, 40, 50, hundred thousand dollars or whatever the, the cost of the boat is yeah. just to do wake or, you know, to do wake surfing. So let's, yeah. you know, how can we modify it so I can keep using the boat that I've already invested a lot in without having to or go buy a brand new one. Yeah, exactly. And, and I had, you know, a lot of people would walk by and I'd start, you know, I'd be like, Hey, you guys interested in surfing? Like come check out my product. And, you know, you'd get this smirk on people's faces and you knew instantly they're going to tell you I have a brand new boat. You know, there's just that look <laughs> in, their, in their eyes that, you know, I was all excited and gung ho about, Hey, I got somebody to listen to me. And then it's, you know, this nice smile. And I'm just thinking in my mind, they're going to tell me they have a brand new boat and they don't need mm. my product. And that would come out of their mouths. And so this, this man came up and, uh, talk to me, you know, tell me about it. And he had this smirk on his face. I'm just like, all right, I'll go through my pits. But in the end, you're going to tell me you have this brand new boat. You think it's a great idea. If you have an old boat, you'd buy it. But well, it turns out at the end of our conversation, he's, he, he goes, well, I'm, I'm the, the vice president of sales for HO sports and Hyperlite. Mm. And if you're into boating, you know, those, you know, those names, that, I mean, they make everything from skis to surfboards, wakeboards, boots, uh, life jet, everything, inflatables. Um, and so, you know, he, he said, you know, would you be open to uh, a distribution agreement? Because I have a sister company that is looking for another product to put in their portfolio. And hmm. I think this would fit right along with them. And so, you know, you can just imagine, I, I mean, I'm a pretty personal person. I get excited really easy. I mean, he's talking to me. I'm just like thinking in my mind, like, Jared, calm down. Just have a normal conversation with this person. Don't freak out. <laughs> and so um, like, I told yes, him, yeah, I'm definitely. I'll accept yeah. anything that I can make money off of at this point. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, you know, I'm definitely open to that. And so I, I you know, gave him a brief history of my background. You know, I'm, I, I put a lot of heart and soul into this product, but, you know, I'm an engineer and I definitely could, could use a good sales channel. So, mm. you know, let's talk. And so, um, he I, think, said, okay. I think one of the thing you meant, so, you know, just to fast forward just a bit and when we chatted before, so you, you got, you, you landed this the deal, you were excited. And then, but I think that what you mentioned is that they were wanting to find a cheaper way to manufacture. Is that right? Well, or you needed I, to drive I the cost down. Yeah. Cause you know, when you go from me trying to sell it direct to consumer, it's one thing, but when you go from having to outsource some of the manufacturing mm. to, you know, the manufacturer makes money, I make money, you sell it to a distributor who sells it to a retail store or a, a boat dealership who then sells it to the consumer. There's a lot of people in that line that have to make money off this to make it work. Mm. And so, you know, you start seeing, okay, what's the sales price and you backtrack of, you know, your, your, your uh, boat dealers are going to want X percent of, of revenue off of this and you know distributors going to want about this and so what's left for me wasn't a whole lot and so I decided you know I got to find a better way or a cheaper way to make this um so I, I pursued that avenue and um it, it was a long path I had to reformulate a new material because I was I was using um it's not plastic injection molded part or a rotational molded, which, you know, those are simple, easy ways to produce products. I was doing a, a polyurethane foam molding. Mm. Um, and so polyurethane is super temperamental. I, I've learned a whole lot over the last, you know, <laughs> few years of doing this a lot mm. more than I ever wanted to know about polyurethane um, and how temperamental it is to temperature, to humidity, to everything. And so, 
um, in order to go with a new manufacturer that was going to, you know, be a better price for me, I had to reformulate a new material. So I had to go find a, a manufacturer of foam that could come up with a new material for me. And I spent, you know, a bunch of money trying to come up with a new foam, bought a bunch of foam, passed it on to the manufacturer. They started, and I just wasn't completely satisfied with the, uh, the quality of the product. There's just mm. polyurethane foam. It creates air to expand and grow and you trap air in your molds. And, and so you have to find the best ways to get the air out of the molds. And so, so you know, and I, I think that you said, no, you had the quality issue and you ended up losing, I think it was a decent amount of money because you ended yeah. up having to pull the product. Is that right? Yeah. So I, I wasn't happy with it. The, the distributor wasn't happy with it. And I ran through a, a lot of you know, hundreds of units mm. that I had to pay the manufacturer for, but in the end I, I got it all back and I threw it all in my garbage. I mean, every bit <laughs> that, of, that's got to be a bit of an ouch in the sense that, you know, you don't, the money, the business isn't making tons of money. You, you have the prospect and then one, you have products that's not quality. So the, the distributor, the deals that you have, they're not going to want to do it Two, You have to eat the cost because you can't do anything with the product. And so I'm sure it's a bit of a, a setback, you know, one is going to delay timeframes or even sour the relationship yeah. and two is going to cost, you know, a lot of out of pocket. So, you know, as you have that, now you're dealing with the, the throwing the product away, having to start over, you know, taking us, I think when you started, that wasn't, that wasn't too long ago that you had to start over and then yep. you, and you've got, you went back to the original manufacturer and did that, got the quality. And I think it was just this last summer that you got the quality back, kind of went back to the original manufacturer and started really selling again with the, the high quality product. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So we, we delayed launch and it was just last year of 2020, you know, right in the summer, June was when I was able to finally deliver what I felt was, you know, pristine product to uh this the distributor and you know it, it you hit a really good point i mean the money wasn't so it was an issue i mean i had a problem throwing away all that money um mm. but that wasn't what was on my mind it was the relationship you know that i was really worried about you know i i thought you know money i, I can make money again but i can't it, it's really hard to fix a relationship that you've soured you know if if, if you've gone to a point that the you know, the worst thing that could happen is, is the distributor just pulls the plug and says, look, this isn't working out. Mm. You know, you didn't fill your end of the agreement. We don't have to fill our end of the agreement. And we walked away from this. And not only did I just lose money, I just lost my, my only best customer, you know? And so, yeah. And a lot of times it's kind of, you know, the first impression is the lasting impression. And a lot of yeah. times you get one shot and if you don't make it that shot, they're going to move on to the next, you know, shiny object, so to speak, or the next thing that they're going to try and sell. So yeah. now, so you, you started out back in June, 2020, were able to rekindle that relationship, reinvigorate it, keep it going. Do you have to start over? How did that go? Yeah. So, you know, luckily, so my, my distributor is fat sack. And so we, we co-branded the product and I, I I'm forever grateful for them. I've learned a lot working with them and, and they have been super patient with this whole process of, mm. uh, of, you know, the, 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 issues we had at the beginning and, and to today, they've been super patient with me and my company and which has been great. You know, I flew out there when we were having all these issues, I, I flew out there and this is just before, I mean, just as COVID kind of was really hitting hard around the U S. And so I, I remember flying, you know, not really knowing too much about what COVID was going on, you know, and mm. I get to the airport and there's like nobody there. And so I'm like, you know, get to the hotel and, 
they're just like, well, our, our restaurant's still open, but there's not a whole lot open around us. And so I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. I mean, this is a total new experience for me. So I went and met with them and, you know, talked to them face to face, came back, made a new plan, you know, went with the original manufacturer, produced great product for me. Um, and so, you know, fast forward to today, um, it, I think that the relationship has definitely uh, strengthened and, and our confidence in each other has, has strengthened and, and it's been great um, so far. And they're still, you know, trying to make something repeatedly over and over and over again. There's always challenges in manufacturing. There's always, you know, something that you have to deal with. I mean, I, I've been doing this for a while, not just my own company, but um, I work for a startup company again right now uh, in medical devices as my full-time job. And I mean, just every area of manufacturing, it, it's really hard to just turn the lights on and things produce perfectly and you get good product every single time. It's, it's still a struggle. Mm. Um, and, you know, but I, I, I'm to the point now that I've been able to hire a couple employees to work directly, you know, at my house. I built a, a, a pretty large shed in my backyard. And I mean, it, it's probably a shed, but I like to call it my, uh, my workshop, <laughs> mm. but it, it, it's, it's a shed that we're, we're, we're molding some of the components ourselves out of the urethane and, doing all the assembly and all the cleanup, the inspections and everything. So I, I've at least been able to step back just a teeny bit from being so hands-on in the manufacturing process to being able to manage it through other people. Mm. Um, but then again, doing the, the quality inspections and everything myself, just to make sure that, you know, this is, this is my, my name going out on this. It's not just a company name to me. I mean, this is, this is Jared Spenlow's product going out there that I'm, I'm really proud of and put, you know, everything I could into it. And so, um, so no, and I think that that's, that's a, a fun journey and it's, it's cool that, Hey, you know, you had the, had to pull things back. You had the manufacturing issues. You learned the lesson, but it didn't kill the company. You're able to reinvigorate it, get it going, fix the issues and kind of be able to, and I think that that's one of the, you know, the differences between what, you know, what a lot of people call entrepreneur versus an entrepreneur in the sense that if, you know, entrepreneur, the first time they hit a hiccup or a hard, you know, hard spot or something else, they give up because they don't have the wherewithal versus if you really want to make something successful, you have to be willing to pivot, adjust and, and take some of those down days or down months or down years in order to make us a success. So, well, yeah. as we wrap up the podcast, because we always have way more things that I want to talk about than we ever have time to talk about. But as we are reaching the end of the podcast, I am going to jump to the last or two questions I always ask at the end of the podcast. Um, so the first question I always ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? So that, that would definitely have to be my decision to try and make a little bit more money and sacrifice some of the quality. Um, it, it just... I mean, what I learned from that was that, you know, like I said, relationships are the most important thing that the money comes and goes, but the relationships you make with people can lead to more and more in life. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I risked the relationship over a financial gain and it, it, it was, and we weren't talking a, a lot of money as far as, you know, financial gains and losses and everything. Cause in the end, it, it's not that that mattered to me. Um, but making that decision to try and, and I wouldn't say take a shortcut cause it wasn't taking a shortcut cause it was, it was, you know, a, a good process, but it just wasn't right for this product. Mm. Um, and so I, I should have given myself more time to investigate, to make sure that it was the right thing to do. And, you know, I, I probably should have pulled the plug before I did. 
And so that's kind of what I walked away from that with. Well, then you get a lesson learned of sometimes, you know, quality at the end does matter or standing behind your product. And if, you know, when you're having to, especially early on in a relationship, sometimes, uh, you know, you, sac- you sacrifice one area for a pro- profit, something else has to give. So I think that's a great lesson learned. So second question I always ask is, so if someone is just getting to a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? You know, there, there, and you kind of hit on this, there are so many ups and downs in a business that you get knocked down so many times that it would be really easy. I mean, even, even right now, I mean, I, I've, I've put so much money into this that I haven't made out of it yet. Um, it'd be easy just to be like, you know what, this, this isn't working out and walk away from it. But my advice is to just never give up. If, if you've done the research to know that this, this is a good product that people would buy and that, or even if it's not a, something, a consumer product, right? If it's a business that you know that people are going to use or service that people need, just don't give up because mm. you never know. It might be the 10th time that you get knocked down, that you get back up again, that you turn that corner and, and really take off. Um, so you just can't ever get back or let yourself stay down. You got to get back up and keep pushing forward with it. No, and, and I certainly agree. And I think that that's a, a takeaway that every, you know, every, you'll either learn that you have it and you're willing to stick with it, or you're going to flame out quickly because every business is going to hit those areas where it's going to or again, give you pause or, or yeah. give you a reason to not keep going. Well, yeah. As we wrap up, people want to reach out to you. They want to buy your product. They want to be your employee. They want to be your investor. They want to be your distributor. They want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above. What's the best way to find out more, reach out or connect with you? Yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn um, or you can email me at my, my business website. It's the letter J and then my last name, jspendlove at flipsurfwake.com. Um, and I, I, I've, I've talked to lots of people about other ideas. And so I, I'm always open to looking into more, but you know, I, I'm proud of what I do and, and the things that we can do. And so, uh, fat sacks, our distributor, if you go to their website, fatsack.com, you'll be able to find locations that sell, uh, flip surf. And, you know, I, I hope that you can get out there and use the product because it, it really is amazing and, and a great product. All right. Well, I definitely encourage everybody to reach out to Jared, check out the product, check out flipsurfwake.com. Is that right? Is it yep. one or fat sack? Definitely look into it, use the product, be a supporter um, and, uh, and, and uh, make sure that uh, this business is, is as successful as it should be. Now, uh, for, as we wrap up the podcast, if you're a listener, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to come on the podcast and share it, always feel free to go to inventiveguest.com and uh, sign up to be a, in, uh, on the podcast as a guest. If you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe and rate the podcast so that we can uh, always you can get notifications as all the new episodes come out and also let everybody know how awesome the podcast is. And last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents or trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law by going to strategymeeting.com. We're always here to help. Thank you again, Jared. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. And wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. 